Hey, it's George Free. Welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today, we're back with another epic interview with a phenomenal martial arts school owner, Jason Flame from Moorpark Karate and Krav Maga. So this episode, the value per minute was super high. We spoke about community engagement, how to infiltrate your community organically and be involved. And we also spoke about him running three separate businesses, likes to call it the trifecta and how the three businesses actually operate and help boost his martial arts school. Jason's also a professional wrestler, so we spoke about wrestling. And what I really got a lot of value from is his student retention strategies that are, that's really, really helpful, especially through your long summer months or when students want to take a break and how they boost their attendance through that. So all the show notes and the transcript of this show you can download at martialartsmedia.com forward slash 136 the numbers 136 you're probably going to want to do that for this episode because as i said the value per minute is really high so do that and by all means if you love this episode and get some good value from it please share this with another martial arts instructor or another martial arts school owner and help us grow the show and get it out to more people all right Hope you enjoy the show. Let's jump in. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Jason Flame, welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Super excited. Jason Flame, Flame, as your last name, is that real or a pseudo name. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I get asked that uh, quite often. And yes, it is the name that's on my birth certificate. Um, it's actually the name, you know, Master Flame is really easy to use in the professional wrestling industry. It's great in the karate world. Uh, and it's it's definitely, a, I guess I get a little extra um, attention with that name. I bring the fire. Now, you one person that can claim you bring the fire because... I mean, it's in your name, right? It's embedded. That's right. That's right. <laughs> First up, uh, what I'd love to ask our guests is, we'd love to talk about marketing, attracting the right students, increasing signups, also retaining new members. Mm-hmm. What I'd love to know from you, what's been your best strategy recently or of all time for you to bring in new students? Yeah, I would say that the, the best thing for us marketing-wise uh, has to be our community engagement, our cu- community involvement. Um, you know, we own three different businesses here in our small town and, uh, the martial arts school was first, but it helped us, you know, open up opportunities for some other businesses. But the one thing that we pride ourselves on is giving back to the community, um, by doing fundraisers, by, um, providing items for auctions and raffles and, and, uh, different things for the schools, the sports organizations, 
um, every youth organization in our city. Um, we sponsor in one way or another. And uh, it, it's just something that we feel is really important because our community has supported us for so long. Uh, we opened our martial arts school in 1994 and we started at a recreation center and built it up from there. And, you know, the community has supported us. So I think that it's only right that we give back and support our community. I love that. So it's something that comes from the heart, but it also pays off for, for the business. And I want to touch base on the three different businesses because that's interesting how that can actually overlap as in one strategy that, that suits all. But that's sort of the, the what, you know, what you do. How do you actually go about it? Like, where do you start? Like, who do you contact? Where do you start with community involvement and so forth? Well, you know, what, what was really easy in a way is that we have two children uh, who are now uh, adult children, uh, 17 and 20 years old. And, and they, you know, they went to preschool and they went to kindergarten. They went to elementary school, to the middle school, to the high school, all here in our community. So one thing that my wife is really, really good about um, is she has always been uh, present. She has always been there uh, in the classroom with our kids. Um, maybe not necessarily coaching. That was more my forte, but being team mom for soccer, baseball, softball, football, whatever the kids were active in, dance. Um, so I think that was the best lead in was that we had children that went through the program. But even before we had children, I think that it was still something that we were able to do. It's just that we weren't as engulfed in it as when we had children, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. So obviously being a parent, but then just having a close ear to the ground of where the opportunities open up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, with social media, social media has made our life so much easier in the way of gaining information quickly, right? So we see a post on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or wherever else, and, and we see something going on with the schools, and, and we're going to jump on that opportunity. We see something where there's a need for a fundraiser. We're going to jump on that and we're going to offer our services. Um, so social media has made it so much easier. But yes, I think, you know, even back in the day, we'd be looking at the, um, the cork boards that local businesses would have, the community bulletins. Um, I look at everything that comes through the mail uh, regarding our recreation brochure, because our recreation brochure goes out to every home in our city that tells all the different recreation programs, be it dance, karate, uh, which we offer still to this day at the recreation program, uh, swimming, what you name it, right? The camps. And so we can see a lot of what's going on in that brochure. That's really helpful. That's cool. I always walk past those billboards and and I just, like part of me looks at it and I think, do these really work? And it always makes me think that, you know, everyone that's in a small business, they typically struggle with the marketing side. They typically struggle mm -hmm. to get the reach for whether it's a passion project or something that they're trying to do. And what a great way to actually look at that differently. You look across the community boards and just see what's going on and how do you get, how do you just get people involved? Right. And I don't know how it is in, in Australia, but you know, lead boxes were a big deal uh, in the late eighties, nineties, you know, before uh, the big social be social media boom. Um, so like I would notice gold's gym, all the, the, the big 24 hour fitness, you know, they'd have lead boxes everywhere. Well, if they can do it 
and they're a membership-based service. Why can't I do it for my martial arts school? I mean, that was that was one of the first ways that I learned how to market effectively as a I was I was a 17-year-old black belt that was working in a karate school, and I can't really say I was working because I wasn't getting paid, but I wanted to find out or create a way that I could get paid. And I said, well, hey, what if I can bring more members into the school? Could we work out something where maybe I get paid, you know, per new member? And so, um, you know, lead boxes were kind of part of that. I went out and just placed lead boxes everywhere, got those leads called them up, made appointments. You know, I learned how to be really hungry that way. Um, and then I, I, I remember even as a, as a teenager making cold calls in, in our white pages, you know, the, the phone book, nobody uses the phone book anymore, but you know, I'd be, I would just open it up and start calling. I think for me, I was always looking for a different way to get the message out there, a different way to reach, you know, because my, my target audience for martial arts is literally everybody that is three years old and older and whether they can stand on two feet or not, whether they can see or not, whether they can hear or not, you know, anybody can do martial arts. So I don't really discriminate on my, on my audience. I want to get that message out there to everybody. It's, it's so funny, right? Because I'm a digital marketing guy, but if you want to shortcut marketing, just walk up to someone and ask. It, it can really be that simple. Um, we did a program with Kevin Brundell, who's he's local here in Australia, but he's, he's got 21 locations. And they typically infiltrate these smaller towns. And we did this, uh, this course called The Next Profitable Location. And everything was old school, but in a real cool way. And the way they would train their staff. And the first thing that they would do is they just go to town and get the haircut, go to, to the coffee shop. And it will always just be, hey, we that new martial arts school down the road, and always be introducing it in that that aspect. And it's it's something that we've we've really adapted, and, and we we talk about a lot in our group, is just looking at your surroundings, like who's who's the coffee shop next door, who's which small business can benefit or already has your audience that you can chat to. And I was looking on your page, because you're pretty active with your videos, and I, and I just saw you posted a. Muapak Chamber Networking Mixer. So yes, is, is that part of the strategy? So uh, community networking is huge, um, especially in a small town. And just to kind of give you an idea, um, our population is somewhere between uh, 36 to 38,000 people. When we're surrounded by um, the, the surrounding areas, the population is anywhere from 130 to 150,000. So we're relatively a, a small town. And you know, it's kind of like everybody knows everybody, but still that community networking goes so far. Our our Chamber of Commerce works really, really hard to help support local businesses, to help give networking opportunities. So, so yes, tonight uh, we are hosting a networking mixer where everybody's coming here to the karate school. Um, you know, local leaders, business owners, politicians, the, the city council, the school board, the mayor, um, anybody that's anybody will be here tonight in our school, which is amazing because now we get to show them the facility, show them a demonstration from our students, talk to them a little bit about the benefits of martial arts. I mean, anytime that we can create, we can create something unique and special to bring people into the school, uh, I think that's a huge advantage. And so, yeah, the, the networking within our chamber of commerce has, has really stepped up over the last, I would say seven or eight years. That's such a simple and really cool concept. 
really just bringing your community together and you're using your facilities to to do that. I want to change gears just a little bit here, but I want to I want to learn just a little bit more about you and your other businesses and I know you were a professional wrestler. So what <laughs> let's let's just start with the martial arts stuff and the wrestling. So okay. What came first? The wrestling came first, then there's karate because it's Muay karate and Krav Maga. Take us a bit back into the the martial arts background. Yeah, for sure. So I started training in in martial arts in 1985. Uh, my instructor is Dennis Ichikawa, who was a student of Chuck Norris and Pat Johnson. So we're a Tong Sudo system, and uh, you know it was it was it was my mom's idea. I I, I I think I saw Karate Kid around that time, but it wasn't really because of that. You know, my mom always wanted to do karate. And she said that when she had kids, she wanted her kids to do karate. I have two younger brothers who are also black belts, uh, one of which owns his own school as well. Um, my brother, Jacob Flame, um, he still carries the name of our original school, which is Tong Sudo University. Uh, he's in our hometown where we grew up, Newberry Park, California. And, and so, you know, my mom put us in karate and it just stuck for me. My middle brother played baseball, so he kind of went in and out of martial arts, even though he did earn his black belt. My youngest brother kind of went in and out and then at a certain point really, you know, engaged uh, with my school in the beginning and worked with me. So we trained together before um, we decided to help him open his own school. And then, um, you know, I just continued all the way through as a teenager teaching martial arts and opened my school at um, 19 years old at a recreation center. It was the only way that I knew how to start a school because I didn't have um, I didn't have much in savings. I didn't really have a, a job per se, other than teaching, you know, karate and, and private lessons. And so my instructor started, when I started, I started at a rec center. I said, well, if that's how he can build his school, I'm going to go do the same thing. So in 94, 1994, we started our first class at, at the recreation center here. And we still teach that program to this day. Um, and then we finally opened our first facility in 1996. So it took me about a year and a half to build up enough students where I can pay rent because once again, I still didn't have, I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any, um, you know, financial backing. My, my parents were not in a position where they were going to help me open my school. I wasn't going to borrow money and go into debt. Um, but I had just enough to put the, uh, first month's rent down and, and the security deposit. And I had enough students that I knew that I was going to be able to keep paying the rent as long as I kept those students. And, um, so that's, that's the beginning of the martial arts journey um as far as the professional wrestling that came much later um i don't want to go too deep into the story but um at 20 something years old i really did want to become a professional wrestler it was always a dream of mine i grew up watching hulk hogan and the ultimate warrior and you know just loved the wwf at the time now wwe and um i, I actually went to a wrestling school and long story short i, I chickened out and just, I didn't follow through, but continued with my martial arts. My martial arts was always my career and my passion. Um, but flash forward like 20 years later, I meet a gentleman who walks into my school, interestingly enough, who was asking me, how would you like to promote your martial arts school? How would you like to, you know, tell more people? And I'm like, you know, yeah, there's another marketing opportunity, right? I'm going to get out there. We're going to have a booth at this event. I didn't even really know what the event was, uh, but I knew it was at the Boys and Girls Club. And then he tells me it's professional wrestling. I'm like, well, I'm in because I love both of these things. So I go and I meet the promoter. He um, basically says, you know, hey, we have a school. And if you want to come train, 
um, here's the address. And I went down, took my first class and, and I wrestled for almost 10 years, uh, over a hundred matches and had a really, really great time. My last match was, was probably about three to four weeks ago. Um, but it's not as frequent as, as it used to be. So yeah, professional wrestling came later. Uh, but I really, you know, I was able to tie the two together. As a matter of fact, we opened a professional wrestling school, um, five doors down from where my martial arts school was, um, about five years ago. We've since moved the pro wrestling school, but having the karate school and the pro wrestling school almost next door to each other made it so easy. We wrestled every Friday night. I love that. I'm a big fan of the wrestling component. And I know like training jujitsu, it's really important. And always when you get a wrestler, that's always the hardest, hardest work. But I want to ask you about the professional side. You know, a lot of people look at WWF, WWE now, and they look at it, it's like, yeah, it's staged and so forth. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Like how much of that goes into the stage and how much is like the real hardcore wrestling? Well, you know, the way I look at it is that professional wrestling is no different than doing a martial arts demonstration. Whatever we do in a martial arts demonstration is all choreographed. It's all, uh, you know, made up. Uh, it's all practiced and rehearsed. Um, but listen, when someone throws you to the ground, you know, there's there's some physicality to that. Um, you know, you have to be, uh, flexible and agile and coordinated, just like martial arts. You know, that's a, that's the thing for me is that I f- flowed right into the professional wrestling uh, world so easily because of my background in martial arts. I was always already very comfortable with my body and what my capability was. Um, I had to learn a lot about the psychology of professional wrestling because, you know, pro wrestling is telling a story. It's not just doing a bunch of moves. It's telling a story and getting people to either boo you or cheer you or get a reaction one way or the, the other. And so, um, you know, the, I, I cannot think of many things that incorporate the physical aspect, the drama, and, and, and just the, the storylines. You know, professional wrestling is just so fun and so entertaining. And the best part for me was just like martial arts, the people that you train with and the people that you're working out with, you know, day in and day out, you, you really have this bond. And, you know, as you train in jujitsu, you know how close you get to the people that you train with and those people that are getting better right next to you only elevate your game. So I found myself wrestling with a lot of people that were way better than me, but made me look like a million bucks. I mean, I have some really good friends that I made through professional wrestling. What really hit home for me, what you mentioned there, is how the storytelling part works. And can you lean in, in a bit more about that? How does it work? If you look at sort of a, a wrestling match from start to beginning, how does that storyline supposed to evolve? Is it flexible? Or how do you typically go about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on the, it depends on the storyline that's going on with the, uh, the wrestlers, the characters, right? I mean, you got your good guy and you got your bad guy. You know, you got your heel, you got your face, and uh, it just all depends on what what that next match is going to be or what we're working toward. You know, in the WWE, in the old days, they used to always work up to WrestleMania, work up the storylines to Survivor Series, you know, and, and there would be a series of matches that would kind of create this drama between two characters. And then there's a, you know, there's usually some kind of resolution um, and, and some kind of... Um, 
closure to that story before moving on to somebody else. Um, is it flexible? Yeah. I mean, most of what's done in the, in the ring is um, off the cuff. You know, there's, there's some people that really like to plan a match all the way out from start to finish. Um, that's not really my style. I like to kind of go with the flow a little bit more like this interview, right? You know, we just kind of go with the flow and, and see what works, see what's catching the attention of the audience and, and, and draw them in. I mean, that's the whole thing is you want to take, you want to take the audience on a roller coaster, you know, and, and so, and make it fun. You're almost like a professional DJ in a way you're, you know, you've got your skills or your tracks and mm -hmm. you're there to entertain the audience. And now you just get a, you just tune into what's getting the response. What's the vibe. And right. you give them what they want. Right. Yep. And I'll tell you something else too. Yeah. I, I'll tell you something else. What, what, um, we tie in all the, the professional wrestling with, um, marketing, right? I mean, as a professional wrestler, you have to understand how to market yourself and how to market the match and how to market the show, right? Cause it's really all about the show. It's not really about one person, but if I can get myself over in a, in a promo, right, do a video, you know, we do videos for our martial arts school. We do videos for events. You know, well, we do videos in professional wrestling to get people hyped to come watch us, you know, watch us do our match. I just watched one today. I was on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, someone that I know has a school and he was promoting a match between two people. And I happen to know these two wrestlers and I've seen them wrestle and I know what they can do. But like that, that video, that promo that they did to hype the match, I was like, God, I can't, I can't wait to watch this match. It's like so interesting because there's, there's a story there behind it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta market the show too, because if you don't have anybody there to watch you, you know, who wants to perform? I mean, we love to perform whether there's 10 people or a hundred people, but what would you rather do? 10 people or a hundred people? I think most people would say a hundred people, but even if it was 10, you want those fans out of their seats, you know, going nuts the whole time. Right. So this is really putting your marketing act on, right? Understanding your avatar, who's your perfect target audience, fan, building a character around that for them. So what do you think a martial arts school owner can grab from that, from that experience of how to position and promote themselves? Well, I think, you know, one thing that martial arts school owners struggle with is they talk about themselves. I'm a seventh degree black belt. I trained in Tong Sudo. I trained in Krav Maga. I did some jujitsu. I do this. I do that. Blah, 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 blah. I've trained this many black belts. And, you know, at the end of the day, nobody really cares what you've done. They really only want to know what can you do for me. So I think that when a school owner is promoting their school, they need to think about um, creating value in their program and really outlining the benefits. You know, when we talk about discipline, well, how do you teach discipline? Confidence. How do you teach confidence, right? Because sometimes people throw, away, uh, throw out all the buzzwords, discipline, confidence, respect. Uh, but how? How do you do it? Can you give specific examples? Um, if you go to our social media channels, I think that you'll get a very good sense of the culture of our school and you'll learn about the benefits of martial arts, which is going to create value in your program and want them to come and sign up. 100%. So, and if I'm not putting you on the spot, but if, if somebody asked you, all right, well, how are you going to give my child more confidence? What do you say to that? 
Well, so one of the things that we do in our program that helps build confidence in a student, uh, especially on day one, on day one, very first class, is we have them do a board breaking lesson. And so we teach them how to overcome obstacles and how to have a breakthrough moment. These are all key terms that I use. Um, but we lead up to it by telling them, you know, in order to break this board, you got to have the confidence. That means you need to believe in yourself, even when nobody else believes in you. If you say, I can do it, you can push yourself farther than you think. And then number two, you got to have focus. So I need you to pay attention. I need your eyes on my eyes. I need you listening to every direction so you know what to do. You need to have discipline. Discipline means doing what you're supposed to do without being reminded. So I'm telling you, I'm giving you all these directions right now. I need you to remember what to do. And then you got to have commitment and follow through. So when you go to break that board, even if you don't break it on the first try, I need you to try again until you follow through and finish. And so these are just some of the, the main things uh, we talk about with confidence. The second thing would be our belt system. You know, students will achieve confidence through goal setting and achievement. You know, when you start at white belt and you have a clear goal of the next belt is yellow belt and you have to earn three stripes on your belt for your attendance and then you got to earn three more stripes for the curriculum that you learn. We happen to use three black stripes for attendance and then a red, white, and blue stripe. Every time they earn one of those stripes, it's like it's a notch on their belt, literally, to where they feel like they've elevated. And now they know, I've got three on this side of my belt, I got three on this side of my belt, graduation is at the end of the quarter. If I have these things, I'm gonna be able to test. And then they get that new color belt, and it's like, now they fully elevated, and now we get to start again. And we keep repeating that process over and over, and I think that that's what builds their confidence. I love that. What I haven't actually heard so much before is giving two stripes, stripe for skill and stripe for attendance as well. Mm -hmm. And so do you, do you normally hand those out at the same time or is it, how do you go about that? Well, so we're kind of old school and I'll, I'll show you something that most people in the martial in industry, martial arts industry are going to, you know, oh, well, what software do you use? I don't use any software in my school you know, for, we do for our billing, but not for attendance tracking, none of that. This is how I keep attendance right here, this little card. And we still do it old school. We stamp the card every time they come in, right? So every student is going to earn a black stripe based on their attendance requirements. We divide it in three, whatever it is. If it's 30 classes, every time they come to class 10 times, they get that black stripe. And then when they get the third black stripe, we know that they have enough classes to be eligible. Once a month, we test on our monthly curriculum. So usually the testing cycle is three months. If we divide that up into three parts, we're going to do their first portion at the end of month one. They earn their red stripe. Month two is white stripe. Month three is blue stripe. And that way there's a system, which again, you know, as far as our curriculum goes, and I just happen to be in my school, you know, here's our Here's our quarterly, you can't read it, but this is what we teach. This is our class plan, right? There's no deviating from this class plan because if I deviate from it and do what I want to do and not what they, what we need to do, uh, I might not prepare a student. And if I'm not preparing a student to graduate, then I might not be helping give them the confidence to stick around, right? So it's a cycle that if we keep the confidence going and we show them the achievement, they just keep reaching for more and it continues. But once that break in the cycle happens, you know, things like missing class, you know, if they don't come to class, we have to make 
absent calls and send we miss you cards and find out like, hey, are they sick? Are they on vacation? Are they losing interest? What do I need to do to get them back on track? Because we know the longer they're out, less chance they're going to come back. If they don't come back, they're not testing, no confidence, they're gone. I want to ask on that, how does that help your retention in I know you guys have this huge summer month and always when I talk to my American friends, that's one of the biggest challenges is keeping students active during that time. Have you found this system helps you through long breaks? It does. You know, when when I was a young school owner and an inexperienced school owner, uh, I would dread summertime. I would dread summertime because everybody's going to take a break. Everybody's going to go on vacation. And, and so one of the things that really helped us business-wise is that we don't operate on memberships or, or monthly dues. Um, we sell programs in our school. So we sell uh, six-month programs for our three- and four-year-olds. Everybody else is a, is a 12-month, one-year, three-year, or a five-year program whether it's the basic training, elite training, or our leadership training program. And so they're all based on a time, not necessarily a belt, but when you sign up, if you sign up for 12 months, you're going to train for 12 months and you're responsible for those payments. So now this is where people you know, throw around the word contracts. And I don't know that the contract is what keeps them. The program is what keeps them because you made a commitment to 12 months. Now, here's the deal with our school that's different than most. If you take a break during the summer or you take a month off, you don't lose that time. We add that time to the end of the program and give you your full time. But programs have really helped us keep people from taking those really long-term breaks. Everybody's going to go on vacation. Everybody gets sick from time to time. So we just let them know, hey, no big deal. We add that time to the end. The other thing is the striping system that we use. Um, it, it really just helps keep them on track and give them something to reach for. But again, students lose interest or they play other sports or they have other activities. I think more than anything else, what, what keeps students from taking long-term breaks is keeping them engaged with a, a fun and exciting curriculum, number one, but also offering special events during those downtimes, you know, be it a day, ca- a day camp, we don't do daycare, but a day camp um, or parent parents night out. Uh, some of our, our most fun comes when we have parents night outs. Um, bringing in guest instructors. Um, I have bringing guest instructors from all over the world to teach seminars here at our school. And, and that just makes people kind of get outside of just a normal class. They get to see, you know, a little flavor, a little, little something different from every one of those events. But, you know, like the camps, I think are so cool. I don't know if you went to, you know, a camp when you were a kid, but I remember making some of the best friends and having some of the best memories at camps. When we create relationships between our students, there becomes this sense of accountability to one another to show up, right? So if you and I are training together and we go do this big, long eight-hour camp or jujitsu session together, and then you're not training next week, I'm going to be like, George, what's up, dude? Come to class. Kids are doing that the same way. And the families uh, become really close in our school. And that type of culture, I think, is what helps keep people training longer. Jason, that's so good. I want to quickly change gears back just to touching a base on your three different businesses. Yeah, sure. 
how do you go about managing all that? We spoke a bit about the marketing. How does that overlap between the three businesses? And how do you go about managing that on a day-to-day basis? Well, number one, first and foremost, is I wouldn't be able to manage or, or keep any of those businesses going without the proper teams and systems in place. Um, so you got to have the right people, um, whether it's here at our martial arts school. Uh, we also own Country Harvest Restaurant. And then we have Coach's Old Fashioned Ice Cream Parlor, um, which, you know, interestingly enough, a lot of people ask me, well, how'd you get involved in these other businesses? Well, it's because of martial arts, because a high school friend of mine um, purchased a restaurant um, about six or seven years ago in our hometown. And we had trained jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu, Katsugo jujitsu, uh, from the time we were teenagers until, I mean, until current, right? Um, that's actually, uh, my friend is where I earned my first degree black belt in Katsugo jujitsu is, is with him. And, and so Chris, his name and, uh, his wife and another friend of ours that went to school, you know, they purchased the restaurant in our hometown. And during COVID, he was, he was, uh, reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I'm, thinking about expanding the business, um, and opening another restaurant, uh, you know, what do you think? And I said, I got the perfect location. It's already set up. It's already ready to go. And, you know, we already have a built in, you know, networking, uh, community here in the, in, in the city. Uh, we have a lot of great connections, um, with everything that we do. And so we opened the restaurant first and then within six to seven months, uh, we ended up opening the ice cream parlor as well. And that's something that he also had is in our hometown. He had the restaurant and then he opened Coach's Old Fashioned Ice Cream. And it's a really cool, I love coaches a lot because, um, you know, number one, it's it's what I do, right? I am a coach, uh, whether it's martial arts or wrestling or business or, or whatever. Um, but the whole theme is about highlighting coaches. And if you look at our social media at all, you know, every time it's a quote from, from a famous coach, we have uh, one of our coaches, our hometown coaches, Dan Birchfield, uh, on the, uh, on the wall with his sons who unfortunately passed away when he was very young, but it's a, it's a story in our, in our community. And so we featured him and his quote, um, which was amazing. And it's just, it, you know, who doesn't love ice cream either, right? I mean, it's just so super fun, but how we tie the three together, here's, here's just an example. And this is where my, my wife's marketing genius is just unparalleled. I mean, my wife, when we were younger, I would ask her to run the front desk at the school and, and I would teach classes and she would, you know, she could take care of, you know, our students and our families, but she didn't like to sell. It just wasn't her thing. She didn't want to sell memberships or do any of that, but she just has this uncanny ability to market anything and bring people together with events. And so what we do in our, in our area is we have a lot of uh, what we call dine out fundraisers. And so uh, it'll be for, you know, let's just say, for example, the, the middle school is having a dine out fundraiser. Well, we give uh, a percentage back from the restaurant. We also hold the fundraiser at the ice cream parlor. So we give a percentage back from the sales of the ice cream. And then the martial arts school will match what both of those businesses donate. And so now we're giving almost 40% back on every fundraiser. Most fundraisers, events like this, they're giving 10, 15, maybe 20% back. We're actually giving 40% 
of the sales every time we do one of these special events. So, so we can really tie our businesses together. Tonight, the Chamber of Commerce event is held here at the Karate School, but all the food is provided by our restaurant. And everybody gets a scoop card to go over and get some coach's ice cream right after the event. So we're constantly doing things where we're tying together. And then also, you know, when we're doing sponsorships, uh, when I come in with three businesses, they're going to sponsor a banner on the high school football field. Um, you can imagine that they're going to take care of us, right? Yeah. Uh, we might get a little break when we're doing three ads versus just the one business. So it's, uh, I call it the trifecta. You know, we have a trifecta of businesses that, that all work perfectly together. Jason, been so good chatting to you. I've got one more question, kind of a double yes. question uh, be- before we wrap things up. What drives you and what are you excited about for the future? I mean, when you ask me what drives me, my family always comes first. You know, I want to create opportunities uh, for my family to spend more time together you know, when I first opened my business, I was so focused on, you know, getting the business going. And, and I would I would pride myself on working 12, 14, 16 hours a day because I thought that's what that was the right thing to do. But as my family was growing, um, family time became way more important to me than anything else. And so, you know, that drives me to continue to find that that extra family time to provide, you know, both of both of our children work in our businesses. My son coaches here at the karate school. He works at Coach's Ice Cream. My daughter is a server at the Country Harvest restaurant. My wife manages all the social media. You know, so these things have brought us together, but my family's what drives me. You know, I want to be the best example for for my kids, um, you know, physically, try to work out every day, show them that, you know, take care of your body. Um, I, I read every day, try to show them that we got to take care of that that mental um, you know, taking time, uh, you know, for prayer and going to church, that spiritual side as well. So I try to be that example for not only them, but also for my team members and for my students in my school. So that's really, those, those are the things that really drive me. All right. Perfect. And the last one was, what are you excited about for the future? Where's Jason Flame headed? Well, I'll tell you what, um, with, with all three of these businesses going, you know, exceptionally well and, and I, I really enjoy all three of them, all for their own reasons. Um, you know, the martial arts will always, has always, and will always be my passion. I, I love professional wrestling, so I try to stay in tune and in touch with it. But I'll tell you what I'm really excited about is my podcast called Master Motivation. Um, I host a show every Monday um, at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I have a guest um, I've had you on the show. I've had several martial arts uh, instructors, school owners, mentors, coaches, uh, but I've also had actors and comedians and authors and speakers. And, you know, I don't, it's funny because the businesses, I get paid to do what I do. The podcast, I don't get paid to do any of it, but I look forward to it each and every week. Um, I don't have any sponsorships. I'm not monetizing it in any way, but the conversations like today, the conversations that I get to have with whether it be local or regional, national, international leaders that I get to talk about and help share their story, um, that is what I'm truly excited about You know, each week to be able to do that. And, and one of the reasons why is because I feel like, and this is something that I developed after I did several, is that I feel like it's an opportunity 
for not only my children, but my children's children, my, the, my legacy, will be able to look back and watch those interviews and learn about the people that I knew and go, wow, my dad or my grandpa or my great grandpa knew some really great people and, and got to learn all about them. So I think that that is what I'm most excited about now. Um, and of course, going on vacation with my wife every chance we get. <laughs> those, are all, those always excite me too. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Jason, thanks so much. I'll link to Master Motivation on this episode. Well, it was really great. Thanks for, for having me on the, on the show there. It's funny, when I started this podcast, I was new in martial arts, and, but I was so fascinated about martial arts and so inspired. And I started so late in my mid-30s in the industry. And right. the, the podcast that I started, but I started this martial arts media business podcast, it was pure selfishness of learning. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. I just wanted to interview school owners and get to learn and understand. Um, and that was five, six years ago that I started the show. Yeah. But Jason, so good having you. Thanks for being on. And we'll link to your the, the podcast on this episode. And uh, I hope to come and see you in California soon. I'll be here. I'll be here. I appreciate you having me on the show and, and, and going out of your way to make this work. I know we tried it a couple times, but uh, we got this one done all the way through. I hope that everybody uh, enjoys the information that we provided. And uh, keep tuning in and and listening to what George uh, brings to the table on this podcast. Cool. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. And in there, I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community. And an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.